Hello and welcome to the Doctrine, Dogma, and Davide podcast. My name is Davide Genoese Zerpi, and today I just want to take a moment to introduce myself, explain who I am, and why I decided to make this podcast, and what I hope to accomplish with it. So, like I said before, my name is uh, Davide. It's a uh, it's an Italian name. In case you're wondering, I come from a large uh, Italian Catholic family, and growing up, I, I've always been just very inquisitive, very skeptical. I remember the first time I ever like sort of questioned my faith was when I was in kindergarten. I remember my mom was tucking me into bed one night. I was in kindergarten. I was like six years old or something. And I remember asking my mom, hey, what if we're wrong? And she said, wrong about what? What are you talking about? And I said, what if when we die, there's no God? And... (laughs) My mom responded, well, you know, first of all, we're not wrong, and don't worry, like, I I think that she was just, she was concerned that I was just afraid of dying or something, and so she just, she basically assured me that I wasn't going to die for a long time, that I shouldn't worry about it. Um, And so I I remember, again, from that very young age, I I was very inquisitive and very skeptical. I I was never the type to sort of accept what was being told just because uh, it, it was being told to me. And so, fast forward to when I was in seventh grade. Growing up, I I sort of bounced between homeschool and Catholic schools. And so I I got my sort of religious education from the Catholic schools I went to, but also primarily I would say I was catechized at home. My parents really took seriously the the instruction of the catechism when it says that the parents are the first catechists. They they took a very active role in my catechesis. They made sure that... uh, they actually did all of my preparation for my sacraments. They taught me how to receive communion. They taught me uh, pretty much most of my uh, theological formation <clears throat> was done at home. But I, I did also go to Catholic schools growing up, and so I also received religious education from there. And I remember my uh, my seventh grade religion teacher, he said something that I, I, I've never forgotten. He, he was talking to us about just sort of like the sort of the life cycle that uh, that a, a religious person or a Catholic goes through in their lives, and and he said that when people when they graduate from high school and go off to college, you know that's the moment when you know a Catholic will make their faith their own, where the the Catholic faith is no longer just you know something that their parents tell them to do, it's something where they they actually take it to heart and they make it their own, and I remember hearing him say that saying that, and I thought well. That's a, that's a load of crap. You know, if the Catholic faith is true, why shouldn't I make it my own now? And if it's false, why why should I practice it now? And so that was sort of the moment that I came to the decision that basically, if what the Catholic Church teaches is true, then it should be the most important thing in my life. And if it's false, then there's no reason it should have any bearing on my life. And so I came to the conclusion that either the Catholic faith is everything or it's nothing. And I came to the conclusion that there's basically no middle ground really makes sense in that regard. You know, there, in the twofold path of salvation, either you are saved or you're damned. You're not making it halfway to heaven and halfway to hell, you know? And so, and if Christ really is, you know, the savior of the world, if he is the one path to salvation, then it makes sense that I should give him my total allegiance, all of my love and all of my devotion. 
And so seventh grade is where I, I sort of took my faith and, and made it my own. You know, I, I was very inquisitive. I, I was very, uh, again, I, I still had that very skeptical nature. And so I was really like plunging into the, uh, the, the depths of my faith. And I also, um, I, I was also like really investigating and testing sort of the, the boundaries of the faith and, and trying to see if it, it really all made sense, if it all worked together. Basically, I was trying to look for loopholes or things that, that were incongruent, that didn't make sense in the faith, and I found it to be very robust and internally, internally consistent. And so that, that's the period of my life where I, I really started to develop a, a strong personal devotion to Christ and to my faith. Uh, I developed a, a very strong devotion to especially the, uh, the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. You know, I started to think about the fact that, you know, this, the, the, the Eucharist, which we believe is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, this is the most sacred thing in the world, and it is something that we as human beings totally don't deserve. Like, this is such a, a profound gift that Christ gave to humanity to allow us to have such a close and intimate access and, and connection to his most sacred flesh. And I started thinking about how... Uh, how people treat the Eucharist and how people approach it. And I saw people approaching the Eucharist so casually, you know, just like sort of walking out and taking it in their hands. And, you know, I, I had always been taught to receive on the tongue, but seventh grade is when I decided, you know, I, um, if this is really, truly God in the flesh, Jesus Christ in flesh and blood, body, blood, soul, and divinity, then I want to receive him as reverently as I possibly can. And so I, I started kneeling for communion, and I remember asking my religion teacher that year why, why we don't generally kneel for communion, why we usually receive standing. And he, I, I don't think he really had much of an answer. I think he was surprised that I asked the question. And he, he gave me an answer about basically just uh, receiving while standing being more convenient, you know, less... Uh, you know, it's a little faster, it would take too long if everybody knelt, and then a few weeks later I, start, I started to see him kneeling for communion, which I, I thought was kind of funny. But yeah, so I, I started to develop a, a very strong, close personal relationship with, uh, with Christ, and I, I got into this, this habit that I'm really grateful for, which whenever I'm going through something difficult or I'm struggling, my first instinct is always to go to Eucharistic Adoration. You know, find an adoration chapel, just go directly to God. Uh, and that is a habit that I am so grateful for because it has helped me through so, so many tough times uh, when I'm going through something and I just, I, I don't know what to do. I just think I go to Christ, go to God. And that has, it has never been the wrong decision. It, it has never not helped. So fast forward a little bit uh, to... I guess uh, after after ninth grade, I went to public school for tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, and that was really great because I got to really be for the first time in a uh, very non-Catholic culture, a, a very non-Christian culture. Which is not to say that it was necessarily antithetical or hostile to my faith. It just you know wasn't. Uh, it, it was no longer presumed that like people were going to get you know. Uh, scripture jokes, or people were going to see eye to eye on, you know, my, uh, my morality 
um, especially with regards to uh, sexuality and things like that. And so it was, uh, it was really great in a lot of ways because it was sort of my first, my first experience with sort of practical apologetics. Like, one thing that I'm actually really grateful for as far as my uh, Catholic school education goes is actually my ninth grade religion teacher basically teaching me that faith is not contra contrary to reason. And that, that teaching, that, that faith and reason uh, go hand in hand, that you cannot separate the two. That has been really important to me because, you know, reason is, is very important to me. And it, it sort of formed the basis of my, uh, of my apologetics. And when I went to public school, that was sort of my, my first experience with apologetics. And thanks to the, the period of time when I was in seventh grade, uh, I, when I was like really plunging into the, the depths of my faith and finding, uh, f finding out how to sort of explain it to myself, how to best understand it, you know, that allowed me to actually be able to very effectively uh, explain it to others and, and sort of teach other people what the Catholic perspective is. Why do we believe this? You know, and I certainly wasn't, uh, I, I was not perfect. You know, I was in high school. I used maybe some bad analogies, and I indeed definitely taught some inaccurate theology because I, I didn't know, I didn't understand perfectly. But it was sort of my, my first experience with apologetics, you know, in, in sort of explaining the Catholic perspective to the people who had never really heard it explained before, you know? And then finally, I, I went to college. I went to a secular university, George Mason University, go Patriots. And so when I got to college, I... I actually tried to become an atheist, and the the reason I tried to become an atheist is basically, I, when I got to college, I found the moral laws of the, the church to be suddenly somewhat inconvenient to me, that I didn't really want to follow the commandments and the teachings uh, of, you know, Christ's church anymore. But I knew that if the Catholic faith is true, and I ignore it, and I just walk away from it, then the consequences are would be dire for me. You know, in addition to just you know the uh, the threat of eternal punishment, I knew that you know the church teaches that when you ignore the natural law, it will have devastating consequences for your life as well. And I, I had certainly seen that. But I went about basically uh, because I found my Catholic faith somewhat inconvenient to me at that time. I decided that I wanted to make sure that if I'm really going to stay devoted to my faith, that I, I wanted to be sure that it was true. And so basically I set about trying to disprove the Catholic faith any way I could. I was trying to pick it apart every way to Sunday. And I, I found a lot of atheistic arguments actually very appealing, sort of on their own. What, what I sort of found in my investigations was that on any specific sort of narrow point, I feel like the atheist argument is really compelling. Take, for instance, uh, Eucharistic miracles. You know, it, it's, I think, very fair for an atheist to say, listen, you know, I don't know exactly how the church managed to fake this Eucharistic miracle, but bread does not turn into cardiac tissue. That is not a possibility worth considering because I know it to be impossible. The improbability of a successful hoax is still infinitely more probable than what is known to be impossible, namely the bread turned into cardiac tissue. And I actually found that really compelling. Uh, until you look at just you know the vast quantity of all of these Eucharistic miracles, 
you know, the, uh, as well as all of the Marian apparitions, all, all of the different miracles. And add on top of that, you know, uh, Aquinas's philosophical arguments for the existence of God. When you sort of look at the totality of the evidence, I just, I, I just could not sustain the belief that, you know, I, it was just too many things to hand wave away and say, well, I don't know exactly how it happened, but it couldn't have been miraculous because that's impossible. I, I think it's fair to say that a few times, but just the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things that you just have to hand wave away and it's just like, well, I don't know how it happened, but it can't be miraculous. It can't be God. You know, it just, it, it didn't fly with me. And so somewhat, uh, I would say slightly to my chagrin, I found that the truth is a pretty darn durable thing. And I spent pretty much the, the rest of my time in college uh, engaged sort of in hardcore apologetics with athe mostly atheists and agnostics. I never got any of them to convert, but I got every single one, every single atheist I talked to, I got him to concede that, faith, that the Catholic faith was not contrary to reason. In fact, one atheist I was talking to even said that I was the first Christian he had met that actually had satisfactory answers to his objections, which I, I was very proud of. And so with all of that experience in apologetics and that sort of dedication to studying theology, I sort of went, uh, continued on in my life. You know, I graduated from college, I entered the workforce, and, you know, I would find that, like, uh, I would be discussing theology amongst my peers, and a lot of times they, there were things that they didn't understand, and I, I'd find myself explaining a lot of theological concepts. And a lot of times people would tell me, you know, Davide, you, you, should, you should start a podcast. I would totally listen to that. Like, you know, you, you should start a podcast explaining all of these th philosophical and theological concepts. And I always thought, you know, nah, what's the point of that? You know, I, I always felt like, and to a certain degree I still feel like, there are far better podcasts out there. You know, if, if you want a great podcast on apologetics, I'd recommend the Council of Trent podcast by Trent Horn. Uh, he's great. Jimmy Aiken is great. Um, if you like Protestant apologetics, um, Scott Hahn is brilliant. And, you know, as far as like general apologetics and general explaining of the Catholic faith, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen is phenomenal. You know, that there's no getting better than, uh, than the venerable Archbishop. And so I, I just thought that there's so many better people out there. You know, what's the point of, in throwing my hat in the ring? Uh, a lot of the ideas I have are largely informed by those greater theologians. I, I just felt like I had, I didn't have a lot new to contribute. I didn't have a lot that, you know, hadn't already been stated before. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, you know, sometimes it just takes a different voice. Sometimes it takes, you know, a, a slightly different perspective. And I also just thought that at the end of the day, there's very little harm that could come from me starting a podcast. Like, sure, there are better voices out there, and I'm, I'm always going to encourage you to check out people smarter than me. But at the end of the day, you know, if my podcast results in somebody, like, finding an answer that they had been searching for where they might not otherwise have found it, even if it's been answered better somewhere else, but I happen to be the source that they find, like, that's still a good thing. I, I think that there's... No such thing as too many good, faithful Catholic voices out there. And so I thought, you know, I, I may as well be one of them. And, and what sort of tipped me over the, the edge is I was talking to a friend of mine who mentioned that she happened to have a microphone that I could use for the, uh, for the podcast. And that was sort of like the, the last straw for me. I was just like, okay, I, I take this as a sign from God. He wants me to start the podcast. Fine, I'll do it. And so here we are. I, uh, I, I hope 
with this podcast that I will be able to just sort of like explain various theological concepts. I, I want to I want to focus mainly on apologetics and clarifying uh, aspects of Catholic theology that I that I notice people getting maybe a little bit confused or uh, concepts that aren't always explained super clearly. And I also want to address some confusing things that maybe uh, come up in the church, even confusion, confusing things that are sometimes said by you know, high up members of the Curia, that their clarity is not exactly the hallmark of the church at this present moment. And so I, I hope to be sort of a clarifying voice in the Catholic world today. And ultimately, in my podcast as well as just in my day-to-day life, my most fervent desire is to bring people closer to Christ, is to help bring souls to salvation. One joke that I sometimes tell is that uh, I'm so passionate about apologetics and evangelization because I'm not good enough to get into heaven on my own, so I'm hoping to sneak in with a crowd. And so that's ultimately what I hope to do with this podcast, is to help bring people closer to Jesus Christ, to help bring people uh, into a better understanding of the Catholic truth, of the one true holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I hope that in listening to this podcast, uh, whoever may find it will find it spiritually fruitful and enlightening. And I hope that by the grace of God that I can be a humble instrument to the furthering of his kingdom. And so going forward, I I hope to publish a video roughly every, I I think once a week. Uh, I'm thinking every Friday I'm going to publish a video uh, either explaining a theological concept, you know, in in maybe a short podcast episode of like 10 to 20 minutes, either that or I'm also planning on having some some interviews and some guests on to sort of chat and, and and explore theological concepts and so I, I hope to do just sort of like a variety of things. And if you're interested in seeing that, go ahead and like, subscribe, do whatever it is that people of the internet do. And I'll see you all next week.